episode of the New Craft House podcast is sponsored by Faf. We use Faf sewing machines in all of our sewing and in all of our workshops, and they really are the best of the best. With everything from beginner machines like the Smarter Range to the Ambition machines that we use in classes to the top of the range creative icon, Faf have something for every sewist. Welcome to episode two of the New Craft House podcast. Today we're going to be talking about everything dead stock. And by dead stock, we mean dead stock fabric, which is what we sell in our fabric shop. So I think a lot of people um, don't necessarily know what dead stock fabric is. So we're going to talk about that, actually explain it properly um, and why we decided to sell dead stock. And how we got to this point of having a fabric shop that only sells dead stock. Yeah. And a bit more about our actual like process. So how we buy it and sell it. (laughs) Yeah. Everything related to that. And some other like sustainable fabric alternatives will be looking generally at sustainable fabric options. Yeah, because when you're starting out sewing, understanding all the different fabric types is difficult enough and you don't really know about that. And I'm sure people hear the word dead stock and just don't even know what it is. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to go through that. But first, oh, it's just me and Rosie here today as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, recording this remotely in lockdown. So what have you been up to this week? So this week has been pretty much like every other week in lockdown. They're all sort of <laughs> blending into one. Um, I go on bike rides and I play with my toddler. A lot of baking, actually. Have I done any sewing? Let me think. Oh, yeah, I've made some masks. That's the sewing I've done this week. So I used the free pattern by, Deru- does it Deruta? Deruta Davies. Yeah, which is a really good like shaped mask pattern. Um, it's a bit more complicated than just like the square ones, but they fit much better. And it's got three layers, so it's, like, effective yeah. and actually... You get a really good snug fit from it. Mm. It's got different sizes and stuff. It's really good. Um, we'll link it, actually, in the show notes so you can yeah. download it if you want. Um, I think that's the only sewing I've done this week. I've got plans to make uh, my husband and my dad. They're born... They're not born on the same day, but they have the same <laughs> birthday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just 30 years apart. <laughs> Um, I'm going to make them like the same jacket for their birthdays. Um, I'm going to do the, the foreman jacket by Merchant and Mills. So yeah, I've got the fabric pre-washed ready for that. But I haven't started yet. What have you been up to? I've done, I've been making masks as well. So I've sent, my parents are in full lockdown um, in Wolverhampton. So I've sent them up some masks because they were sneaking about going for a, a little drive. A little oh, drive. did they? They left yeah. the <laughs> left the house they went for a drive around they hadn't been outside in 10 weeks at all and when my dad delivered a loaf of bread across to the neighbor the other day he said when he got home he left it on the doorstep and when he got home my mum was like what was it like (laughs) (laughs) i think they needed to like exit the house a bit so i've sent them up masks to wear um and i need to do a few more actually because i think you need quite a few to rotate yeah you're meant to wash them every time yeah is it yeah so I think you need more than two each even. You need quite quite a handful. Yeah. Um, and that pattern is really good. You get a re- Someone else actually had given some to my mum and she said that the fit on them was rubbish compared to those. And they were only single layer. Mm. Um, so I'm going to make loads more masks, I think, to send to my brothers and give some more to my neighbours. I've given them some already, so they've got more spares. And what else have I made? Oh, yeah, so I've been crocheting my new craft of lockdown never crocheted before 
wanted to, couldn't get into knitting and um, I've been having little Zoom lessons from a friend who I actually know through sewing. She came to a class, she's called Juliet and she makes really nice stuff. We'll link her Instagram account. Yeah, I can't remember off the top of my head. Me neither. No, I don't think it's, is it even her name? I don't know, can't remember. But she she actually came to a class and she had a crochet bag with her that she'd made and I loved it. And it's a raffia one. So I bought some raffia from Wool and the Gang, borrowed a hook from my, from another friend um, who left it outside for me. And yeah, been crocheting a bit. Took me a little while to get into it. It's good when you get into it because it's quicker than knitting, but it does like take a while to get your head around it if you are a knitter. That's what I found. Yeah, and I haven't done... I don't understand any of it, basically. So she's shown me how to do a stitch. But I don't understand what I'm doing. Yeah. She just said, put the thing through here, then pick that up. And I don't... I think the tension's very off. And also, it really hurts my left hand, so I can only do it about 10 minutes at a time. Mm. So I think I'm holding the raffia weird or something, but can't figure it out. Yeah. You've done a bit more crochet. The, yeah, the... Well... You did a baby quilt. Yeah. When I got pregnant, I was just like, okay, the thing I want to make is a crochet blanket. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, and I did that with quite a lot of help from my sister, actually. Like, it was with made out of squares, and she crocheted about half the squares. Oh, yeah, she's a big crochet. Yeah, she's good at crochet. It was the Rainbow Blanket by Pearl Soho, which is free, I'm pretty sure. And they got a tutorial online. It's really pretty, so made that. Haven't crocheted since. That's fine to dip in and out. I don't think I'll make... I thought... I had big plans to make a whole load of raffia bags, but actually now, halfway through this one... <laughs> slower than you think. It's slower than I think. <laughs> I think if you just... If I was doing it, that would be fine, but I'm just finding lots of reasons to not. What are your reasons to not? Oh, my God, we should do, like, a, a show on, like, what are your blockages to actually, like... To get past... Yeah, because in lockdown at the start, I was like, this is it. I'm going to sew myself a whole yeah. new wardrobe. So many people thought that. Like, I saw Elisa Lex on Instagram was like... Yeah, I've been chatting to her about it, but just been like, ugh, done nothing again. Yeah. Yeah. It's been less creatively inspired than I thought it would be. But then when I do spend some time making, I feel so good. And I remember how much I enjoy that. Mm. So I'm trying to stick with it a bit. I'm finding it hard to want to make nice things when I'm not going to, like, be seeing people. Yeah. I'm not making the effort to, like, dress nicely. Yeah, yeah you're right. You should make some loungewear. We, yeah, we both made the Pippet loungewear sets. Yeah, I've got two. I love them. That's our main lockdown project. They're great. <laughs> the only thing I find with the Pippet is that the sleeves are so baggy that you can't, like, cook in them. I guess that's, they're not. I think yours are just longer. Because on mine, no, I I've No, that. I made them quite a bit narrower as well. And I did, I did lengthen them, but I made them quite a lot narrower. Because mine only come to, like, just past my elbow, pretty much. Did you just not put the cuff on, then? Uh-uh. Oh, so maybe they're just way... Yeah. Way, way short. I do have long arms as well, actually. So maybe, I'm, yeah, maybe they're just too long. But, yeah, that's all I've been doing, really. Crochet and... Oh, I did start a flora as well. Um, In one of our linens, I took the last two metres, two and a half metres... And it's, I just need to finish the, the gathered skirt on it. I've done it without the waist arts. It's a little bit more loungy vibe. And I just need to do that and hem it. And then give it a little debut. 
but I quite like the top, the bodice bit with um, no waist art, so it feels way more comfortable. Yeah, and it means you don't need any closure. Just put yeah, it on. Yeah, literally shove it on. Yeah, it's really nice. And it's quick to sew. <laughs> yeah, I did mine in a few hours, I think. Yeah. Um, so that's what we've been up to. Other than that, working, sending your orders out. Yeah. Planning new podcast episodes. talk about dead stock so dead stock fabric um so what is the actual definition of dead stock fabric so any end of line fabric that's left over from sampling or production is dead stock yeah so it's basically the stuff that is destined to either go to landfill to be incinerated or it might just like sit around in storage for ages yeah I imagine a lot of it does just sit around not being used for years. Yeah. But then there are cases like where designers and brands will incinerate huge amounts of fabric just because they don't want their prints out in the world, like devaluing their clothes and things. So, yeah, a lot of it does get incinerated or sent to landfill as well. Yeah, or shredded. Yeah. Shredded and landfilled. Yes, that's basically what dead stock is. Yeah. But specifically, that's left over from sampling or production. Yeah. Um, at the end of a season. So, and it's pretty unavoidable for a lot of businesses. Like, they will have some amount of dead stock left over. Yeah. Um, unless they're producing fabric on much smaller scale and only buying in the fabric. Yeah. Which is kind of, I mean, it's impossible to get it right 100% of the time. Yeah, I think. Yeah. And when we say sampling, um, so the designers, what they do is often their clothes will be made somewhere else, like in a different country, but they will make samples in their like actual studio, so perhaps in London. So they'll get small amounts of fabric sent to them, um, small amount of prints made up. Also to like check what kind of prints, like which colourways they want, slight variations yeah. in the prints. So they might get like five metre rolls of different prints and to do their sampling or checking their prints. And then straight away when it arrives, they're probably like, Don't they'll have that. the same print in five different colourways and they'll just pick one. Yeah. And the rest are just completely wasted from that point. Yeah. So we get a lot like that, where there's only five, six metres yeah. on the run. We From a couple of designers, we've had ones where they're tiled. So we get um, a big piece sheet of fabric and then it has different tiles marked up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, yeah. eight, nine... With slight variations yeah. in the print. Yeah. Which are quite cool to see the, li- the little ha- differences in the colours. Mm. And sampling is something that actually costs designers a lot of money because to get a short run of that fabric made costs much more than to get full rolls made. Um, so it's something that they are wary of, like losing money on, I think. Yeah. So how did we actually start? We should talk about how we started selling fabric because that was actually quite recent in terms of our business. Yep. So we had, we've moved studio and then the bigger space was allowing us to host other, some of our favourite fabric shops that only sell online mm-hmm. um, for a long weekend of like a pop-up fabric shop. Yeah. And we had a few of them and we so we'd always discussed like do we want to would we want to open a shop um like a bricks and mortar shop 
And we always said no because we wouldn't want to be tied to two specific <laughs> hours, basically. That was the main that reason. That was literally the reason. We don't want to be in, like, every weekend having to open up at a certain time and yeah. stuff. Um, and we just would be like, no, that's not for us. That, like, strict. Because we work different hours. We've always worked different hours as well. Yeah. And it's, it's just always been flexible. And that's, th- like, one of the top three things about having your own business is that you can be flexible with your working hours. So we knew that the bricks and mortar fabric shop wasn't right for us um but then we really liked customers coming in Mm. and like all the little chats you got with people while you were selling fabric it was really nice like talking about what they were going to make and yeah it was really exciting and actually just being around the fabric I really enjoyed yeah it's nice it's like a nice thing to look at like talk about basically yeah so who did we have we had fabric godmother and so me sunshine yeah, both came for long weekends. And Sister Mintaka. And Sister Mintaka, yeah. It was also nice to hang out with those people because they're friends of ours from the sewing world. Yeah, and shops that we love. Yeah. And be around their fabrics for the whole weekend. I did some sewing with Sandy from Sister Mintaka while she was down. <laughs> it was really fun. Um, so that was like the first contact we had with people selling fabric, really. Um, and then it was qu- about six months later... You were on maternity leave, actually. Not and even I was, that. We talked about it, maybe selling fabric, but we knew we wanted our shop to be a bit different to ones that already existed. Yeah, we didn't just want to sell the same stuff. Like, why would we do that? Because <laughs> there's loads of fabric shops that are really nice selling really nice fabrics and we wouldn't want to source from the same people as them. Yeah. We wanted to do something new and we both care about the environment a lot. Mm. and we knew our approach to having a fabric shop we wanted to reflect that so we talked for a while about just stocking natural fibers or Mm. only sourcing fabrics from factories where they had good working conditions and they weren't using damaging dyeing processes Um, but then I was in the park (laughs) with twigs (laughs) and this um a a man who I used to see out with his whippet quite a lot and twigs used to run with her um we were talking about it and he was like he said what he did his job and he was like what do you actually do and I said we have a fabric shop and well we have a fabric studio and we're thinking about maybe opening a fabric shop um and then he was like well we've got so much fabric in our studio that's left over from sampling and then we were like that's the perfect yeah they wanted to get rid of it. Yeah, he was like, why don't you come look at it? It was two and a half thousand metres, so it wasn't a small amount at all. No. But they had it all in their studio, which is kind of crazy. And we went up, well, you were you were on maternity. And I went up and I was like, oh, yeah, OK, we can buy this. So we bought it. And it was literally opposite the railway arch. Yeah. So they just wheeled it down in carts, one, like, cart by cart. And then it slowly <laughs> started to fill up our studio and we were like oh shit it really did fill it up more than we thought and then you couldn't move in there um but that was the first load that we bought yeah and it's kind of lucky that we are in this location because there are so many designers and stuff around us like if we weren't here that wouldn't have happened basically no yeah it was really lucky and then designers that we speak to this is a problem that they have so that at the end of the season they have loads of fabric left over Mm -hmm. and you're giving them a really good solution of where to to redirect it and some of them the reason why they've been collecting so much was because they didn't know what to do with it yeah and they didn't want to just chuck it in landfill 
And that first designer that we bought from as well really didn't want to give us the prints initially. Because a lot of them actually say the brand name on them. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's unusual. And they didn't want it. They'd been incinerating the prints before. Um, and this is the Naked Lady print was one of them, which mm. we knew people would love. And so we came up with the idea to ask them if, if we signed a contract to say we'd only sell customers four metres max of a print. Yeah. And then they were like, actually, yeah, that could work. So they just didn't want someone to recreate their whole collection. Yeah, to be able to sell clothes made in it, basically. But the home sewing world were not interested in no. that. They just wanted no to wear naked ladies. <laughs> buy more than that, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I feel like all of our customers are pretty much sewing for themselves. Yeah. They're just excited to get it and make it for themselves, yeah. after like we got those two and a half thousand meters and then there was another designer who was shutting down quite locally so we got quite a lot of their yeah. like end of line stock fabric stock um and that pretty quickly like filled us up it, we went from nothing to having a fair amount of fabric definitely enough to open the shop with the online yeah. shop and that's how we started it i think it was january or february it was february of 2019 yeah so just over a year yeah we listed it all online. Did we have an f- open day first? I don't think we did. I can't remember. No. But know. now the way that we've been doing it is we get a, new, a whole new load of stock. We hold an open day where you can come in and shop it first and then what's left goes online. Yeah, makes it a little bit easier for us and people get excited to come and see it first. And some of the roles are like are small amounts, so it makes it easier if they sell and we don't have to list them online. Yeah, because every fabric you list, you've got to take photos of, edit the photos and list it. So if there's only like two metres on a roll, <laughs> it's just not worth it. But the last load we got, we actually had like big boxes full of samples and remnant pieces. Which um, is so good, going through them. So funny. Yeah, we skimmed a lot off for us afterwards. <laughs> Yeah, but we skim. Sometimes we take stuff out for him. We're like, yeah, we want to keep that. And then after about a month, it goes back in. Yeah, I know. Because you just don't have the time to sew it. Or something new comes in that you like more and whatever. (laughs) After looking at fabrics for like a while, you just go off them a bit. But um, yeah, but we've got boxes and boxes full of those. So we have been listing those as like separate remnants um, because we have so many. And we we were going to do a remnant open day but then lockdown happened, so that's also why more have been going online. Yeah, we have a lot. We have a lot of remnants right now. Yeah. Maybe five huge boxes full. Yeah. Um, still to go up. Some of those are like the most exciting bits, though. Yeah, definitely shop people's remnants. I think you can get amazing stuff in there. Yeah. And with a lot of our remnants, they weren't stuff that was ever on a roll. So it's not like you could have had the opportunity to shop it and yeah, that was no, just a no. bit cheaper. They're like sample pieces yeah. that the designers got made just to test out. Yeah, like really pretty silk. One and a half metres yeah. of silk. A lot of prints. Lots of prints, yeah. So that is how it works at the moment. So we contact the designers. Quite a few have come from friends. Yeah, sometimes um, they get in links. touch with us, yeah. Well, they've been, yeah, got in touch with us straight out. And the most exciting is when it arrives. 
Yeah, or when you get when you go and visit, because generally we do go and look before we buy it, just to like double check. What but then we're you never remem- remember it. So when it actually yeah. arrives in the studio and you see it all, when you get to go through it, it's yeah. really exciting. But and all the, like the designers that we're buying from, their clothes are expensive. Yeah. So the fabrics are really nice quality. Yeah. Generally, they mostly come from really nice like factories in Italy. Italy and Japan. Japan. Yeah, they're like Japanese denims and stuff. Austrian wools. Mm. We've had quite a bit of Linton tweed. Yeah. Um, And we, how we price our fabrics, it's a bit tricky because like a standard fabric shop, you would have a standard markup. But because we're buying in bulk, we we can't do that. Yeah, we buy in bulk, so we don't really know like how much each fabric has cost us necessarily. Um, But we tend to price slightly less than like you well a lot less than you would buy like say a linton tweed <laughs> yeah you can get some serious bargains on that or like japanese denim yeah exactly um yeah silk taffetas and things we try we try and price them fairly depending on how mm-hmm. how much we've spent on them um but yeah because we're buying in bulk in the same load we could have got a polyester lining and a hundred percent yeah. merino wool so you, you we don't do go through and work out, out like yeah. <laughs> maybe we should yeah we probably should uh, and that's yeah and then then we have the job of uploading them which anyone who has to do that in their job knows how horrible that is as a, mm. um but we, we tend to split it up a bit anyway it's not because we get so many in at once that we like it would overwhelm the site and it would overwhelm anyone shopping on there to yeah. get them all in one so we sort of split them up into smaller collections these days anyway to upload them like bit by bit. Yeah, and seasonally as well. Yeah. Now that we've got quite a lot. But we only started selling just over a year ago. So our processes behind the scenes, the way that we're sorting it and organising it is getting a lot better. Yeah. And now that we've changing. got Ellie helping us, well, we'll after lockdown, um, she is naturally so much more organised than either of us. <laughs> she used to work at, like, my son. Um, so she, she knows. She, yeah, <laughs> she knows fabric she knows. shops more than us, probably. <laughs> um, and she's helped us organise it a lot. I remember when she first was like, oh, should I just spend a couple of hours sorting next door? Because we store our fabric in Unit 5, which is next door to our main um, classroom studio. And I was like, yeah, OK, thinking, like... Mm. Yeah, how much more? <laughs> and then when I went in, I was astounded by how neat and tidy it was. I love it. <laughs> um, so our processes are getting better behind the scenes. Because neither of us have worked in a shop ever. Well. Oh, you did? That's not true, actually. <laughs> I worked in Waitrose and John Lewis and Monsoon, actually. <laughs> probably some skill. <laughs> I've come over. But we miss open days. I love open days because you see so many people that come to classes mm. have like constant little chats. Yeah, and it's fun to see like people get excited about the new stuff. Like we had this big load in from a bridal designer. Yeah, <laughs> and that's great. There were a few people who came who were making their own wedding dress and like they were so excited and they were buying like seven metres of silk and stuff and talking about what kind of dress yeah. they are going to make. That was really fun. Yeah. Open days are exciting, and we also did our first ever show with fabric. We'd done shows before, but not with with, with our kits, which we talked about in the last episode. Yeah. But with fabric, it was really exciting. Yeah, we did the Stitch Festival in Islington, and in it was a whole February. big. Yeah, 
must have been luckily just before lockdown. Yeah. But that was all big last minute rush. Yeah, so our stand wasn't the most um, refined <laughs> in the whole place. <laughs> but it worked. We had loads of fabric there. So. Yeah, it was really good fun. And we got to see loads and loads of customers in person, which is always nice. Like, when we're packing orders, like, you start to recognise people's names and addresses. So <laughs> sometimes we give people hearts around their names. Place <laughs> <laughs> lots of orders. huge fans of faff machines we use them in all of our workshops and when we're sewing at home on our boats so what do we love most about them they're super smooth to sew on with a sleek design and their iconic idt system essentially a built-in walking foot makes handling all types of fabric a dream we honestly couldn't sew what we do without them get in touch with us if you fancy a machine upgrade or if you'd like to know more about any of the models so i wanted to point out the difference between dead stock and overstock We've had people messaging being like, oh, isn't it just a bit greenwashing to say that all your fabrics are dead stock when in fact they're this thing called overstock, which is when a fabric is produced in like the thousands of metres and then lots of it's brought up for production, but there's obviously hundreds of metres left over after. But the fabric isn't produced for a specific thing. So this fabric is in fact like they know it's going to be sold. Yeah. And it'll be brought up by huge fabric wholesalers and then get sold on as dead stock, but it is in fact a thing called overstock. Um, but none of our fabrics that we have are sourced that way. We don't buy from any fabric wholesalers. It all comes direct from designers. Mm-hmm. And we, we know that it is leftover fabric. Like we visit the studios, we see it's, um, it's all like partial rolls, most of it. And often you'll get like the last garment that's been cut out of yeah. it, hanging <laughs> you off the edge. You get surprises in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so overstock is is fabric that's been left like over produced basically and that's why it's hanging around yeah and it does it gets called dead stock so like it can be quite hard but if you're if you want to know where it's come from then you should you can ask the shop yeah because they all know definitely at least where they bought it from so yeah and if you're if you're buying from any of the huge fabric like the people that lots of the shops on goldhawk road are selling overstock yeah um and places like that so there are like some obvious other negatives of dead stock. It's not a perfect solution to the problem of consuming fabric. Um, one of the things we get asked about is if we sell man-made fibres still, because some shops will only sell like natural fibres. That's like their sustainable take. Um, but yeah, we do still, we sell basically everything that we get because we figured if it's going to go to waste anyway, it's already been produced and it's better to give it another life. Yeah, like the fabric's there, left over from the designer. We've got eight metres of it. We're not going to say, no, we won't stock that because... It's better that it's made into a garment that gets worn than goes to landfill. Yeah. Basically. And sewing, you touched on, you're still buying fabric and things, but it is still definitely better than buying, investing any money in fast fashion. Yeah. You're like consciously picking your fabric putting in the effort to sew it it's going to be something that you take care of way better like we hope like through our classes and stuff that we encourage people to make um garments that they will wear for years and years and really like look after 
and cherish, so yeah. Are there any other downsides of dead stock? <laughs> oh, one downside is that we don't know where the fabrics come from. Not always, sometimes we do. Yeah, so sometimes they'll give us an exact, they'll tell us, like sometimes it has the factory tags on mm. still, so, and it's still in the packet. Um, but we, we can't say all of our fabrics are organic or anything like that because mm. we don't we don't know for some of them but we're the designers that we buy from we trust that they're sourcing their fabrics consciously yeah um well any evidence we have had so far is that that is the case like the factories we see that they come from are like some of the top factories in the world yeah and the fibers they're using are generally really high quality so but lots of fabric shops that you see online, you can search by their, um, like, we'll put some in the show notes, actually, of different um, online fabric shops where they are only stocking organic fabrics or they're working offset warehouse work with factories to produce yeah. fabric. Um, and they have some really beautiful fabric. Yeah. And they're all sustainably made. So you should go and check out them as well. Yeah. Definitely. We definitely don't think dead stock is the only solution. The so only. another negative of dead stock and one that is so annoying in the <laughs> studio behind the scenes. It's our biggest bugbear at the moment. Yeah, but there is a solution to it. And after lockdown, we're going to solve this. It's that we don't know how much is on a roll. So the rolls arrive in our studio. We have to guess how much is on it because we can't unroll. Some of them are big and we don't have the time or the like to unroll and measure it out it'd take that would be weeks of work for every arrival but um so we don't know so we take we make an estimate when looking at the roll then we list these fabrics online you guys love them and they sell out online but actually there's still four meters on the roll because we try and conservatively estimate how much is on them so then it means there's so much admin behind the scenes of going back checking what's out of stock looking if it is actually out of stock (laughs) either putting it back on or (laughs) deleting it yeah and that's something you have to repeat every single time they go off out of stock yeah and that like can happen to what like 10 fabrics a day so like if you're not catching them every day then they just get lost (laughs) you end up with so many that just aren't online but there's like a small amount on the roll still Uh, yeah but we have a solution we (laughs) we're gonna get this machine (laughs) that basically rolls out and measures the fabric roll like super fast it'll be like less than a minute per one right yeah so you just pop the roll on get another big cardboard tube on the other side run it through and it like digitally it like goes up the number yeah and tells you exactly how much is on there and then we list exactly that online yeah but then we just have to not sell any in person oh if we do we we have to update update it yeah yeah it's a bit behind the scenes pain but that's our biggest our biggest problem we just need to figure out where to put the machine because it is massive it is huge and we don't want to sacrifice any fabric space but i'm sure we'll figure it out after lockdown yeah maybe we should like explain how much fabric we actually have as well because yeah if you haven't visited the studio we can put some um photos in the show notes yeah so we've got two in our main fabric studio in our main sewing workshop space Mm mm-hmm um, that we 
when we first got fabric, we had it just like stacked up and it was mayhem. <laughs> and then we had these two really big storage shelving units built. Yeah, where the fabric rolls can lie like horizontally on them. So and that's two what you big see, shelves with loads of um, like the horizontal rolls on are what you see on our Instagram a lot. We use it like as the background for a lot of our photos um, because it's quite colourful and nice. And they were like the first fabric storage units we got built so at the start all of the fabric fitted on those <laughs> um but pretty quickly i'd say within like two months we'd outgrown yeah. them because we kept buying fabric at an alarming we rate <laughs> we went a bit crazy and we had like three arrivals in one month and then when it all arrived we were just in utter shock at how how much space it took up yeah. but luckily the unit next door was empty and we just slithered our way into there yeah, so now that's where most of the fabric is. Probably like two thirds of it, yeah, at least. Um, and me and my dad built some upright storage for in there. Uh huh. And there's also like a cupboard at the back that's stuffed full of stuff that isn't online. That's like the secret cupboard. Yeah, and we only put stuff in there because it, we'd run out of space in that room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So maybe eventually we need another huge fabric space. We'd love to have just one big space where we could have all the fabric and run the workshops and it would just be great. But it might be a little way away. Yeah. Um, Especially around this area to find somewhere that big. Yeah. London rent's holding us back. Yeah. And we move all the time. Yeah, we've moved quite often because we've j- j- only because we've been outgrowing spaces. Yes, yeah, so the next one would have to be huge <laughs> to make sure we don't need to do that. Yeah, and we love this bit of London. Where, for those of you who aren't London based or haven't been to our studio, we're in Hackney in East London, and the street that we're just off is called Broadway Market, and it's so nice. Normally, yeah. like in lockdown not it's really buzzy there's a market every saturday so if you have a workshop um when everyone goes off for their lunch break they get to shop the get best food. food it's so good and there's like 10 15 amazing cafes on the street yeah and there's a nice park just at the top and then there's the canal at the bottom so for like a month of the year we can be moored really nearby yeah people sometimes who come from outside of london to workshops are like oh i thought you were quite far out of the center but actually we're only about 10 minutes, 15 minutes from Shoreditch, not far from the central line. So, yeah, it's easier to get to than it might look on a map. <laughs> yeah, and it's such a nice space. So we wouldn't really want to move away from this area. It's home now. The new craft house is home. Yeah, around Broadway Market. So, yeah, to find a space that was bigger around here would be a little bit tricky, I think. Yeah, we've got to keep our eyes out. Um, But... I think at the moment in the studio, how many metres of fabric do you think we have? It's actually impossible to imagine. We've not been buying during lockdown, obviously. We've still been shipping out your orders, so it has gone down quite a bit in in that time. Yeah. But I imagine still over 5,000, maybe about 8,000 metres. Yeah, because yeah, if that first load was 2,500 metres, that's probably all that's on those two shelves and then... There's all next door as well, so meh. Thousands of metres. And most of it isn't listed online because we're slowly working our way through it. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially at the moment as we're not buying more. Yeah. There's no real, like, rush, but yeah. 
after lockdown, things will speed up again. And yeah. we'll be working at full capacity, both of us back in full time. Yeah. Plus Ellie sorting it all out for us. <laughs> <laughs> People often ask us where we actually, like which designers we actually get our fabrics from. They're really interested to know. And I would be if I was buying it it's as well. It's an exciting opportunity to see a fabric sewn up yeah. as a ready-to-wear collection. Yeah. You and, don't get that often. And you might want to like copy a dress or whatever and like... Or just for inspiration. Like, so yeah. nice. like it's nice when you see another member of the community like in an outfit sewn in a specific fabric. It makes you want that exact fabric. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so people often ask us and we, we don't disclose generally um, which designers we've got them from because it's just like a privacy thing for the designers. And Yeah, they don't want their fabrics to be shopped as, as coming from fabric. them. Yeah, exactly. But having said that, some of the prints we get do say the designer's names on them and sometimes people will recognise a print. Yeah, if it's a really recognisable thing. Or they've seen a dress that they like. Someone re, some one customer of ours really wanted to buy this dress, and then she said she saw the fabric here, and oh, has really? bought it and sewed her own one. <laughs> um, one of the rocket prints. So some people will just recognise the the print, but generally, we they don't say where they've come from, mm-hmm. and we don't share that with people. No. So far, everything we've got has been like local to London like designers based in London yeah which is nice as well because it means it's not traveling far and yeah yeah we can go and collect it in a van mm. so when this episode goes live we're gonna ask for questions on Deadstock, and please do send them over because I'm sure loads of pe- loads of you want to know more details about it and we're more than happy to talk about it yeah we're always open to like discussing how we source our fabrics and stuff yeah, we want to be as transparent as possible with that. Yeah. So, yeah, send over any questions on the day this goes live and then we'll do a dead stock number two episode with more information. And if you'd like to know more stuff about the behind the scenes side of it and how we process your orders and anything like that, how we decide what samples to serve when we take them to a show or... Yeah, just actually like the logistics of running a fabric shop, yeah then do, yeah, let us know those too. Um, But we can say one thing, and that is that we will never source fabric in any other way. We are a dead stock fabric shop till the end. (laughs) 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 Thanks so much for listening to this episode of our podcast. We hope you've learned a lot about dead stock fabric. We've got a new episode coming next Monday. You can subscribe, follow us on Instagram at New Craft House or email us hello at thenewcrafthouse.com. Thanks so much to Fred for editing. Bye.